Just in USA alone, there are nearly 43 million students who have taken a student loan totaling over 1.6 trillion US dollars. There is a lot that can be fixed in the funding for students. This is an enormous problem that Scholar.io is fixing. My guests today are Ben Kanaus, the Chief Growth Officer for Scholar.io and Theodore Zipoy or Ted, the Chief Information Officer for Scholar. In this wide-ranging discussion today, we are going to talk about how to enable new modes of funding for students and why build your solution in Web3 and use blockchain and why not just do it the old school way in how it was done in Web2. And I also find out how did they choose a blockchain for their project. There are so many different blockchains and how should you choose one? Also, what are the limitations of a DAO and how to overcome those limitations of a DAO, DAO being a decentralized autonomous organization. Finally, I also find out from Ben and Ted what other Web3 projects they see potential in and what we should keep an eye on. Hello, innovators and explorers. Welcome to another episode of the Web 3.0 podcast. I'm your host, Sam Kamani. I am an Amazon best-selling author and a tech startup founder. I'm here to take you on a journey to explore this new land of Web 3.0, which is filled with opportunities that can help you build generational wealth. So without further ado, let's get into it. So Ben and Theo, it's great to have you on the show. Um, welcome to the show. Looking forward to talking to you about talking with you about Web3 and the opportunities in Web3 and and especially what you guys are building with with Scholar.io. Can you tell me a bit a bit more about Scholar.io? Yeah, so what we're building is a platform to not solve the student debt crisis, but try to prevent students from taking on that debt in the first place. So today in the U.S., obviously, student debt is a huge problem that continues to impact a ton of different um, students. What we want to do is make some of the charitable giving and academic endowment processes a little bit more efficient so that we can actually give more scholarships to more students. So instead of taking on all that debt, if we can connect students to scholarships quicker, uh, you know, they might graduate with less. So today, these academic endowments suffer from a few things. It's kind of an opaque industry, meaning it's a black box. You put your funds in, very little visibility as to how it's spent, how it's grown, and very likely that you won't get any kind of feedback on the student's lives it's impacting directly. And the second thing is that they're kind of underperforming. So in 2020, the average return was 1.8% with a five-year average sitting around 5.2. And then of course in DeFi, we know we can do much better than that, even on things like stablecoin yields. And the other beautiful part about using blockchain and DeFi is that our operating costs are much lower. There's not a ton of people involved, it's very automated. So that overhead cost in TradFi is usually around four and a half percent. We come in much lower than that on the, the blockchain side or kind of DeFi play. So making that more efficient and connecting to students via our Web 2.0 platform that exists today, so kind of an end-to-end -end process to improve the scholarship ecosystem here in the U.S. and eventually beyond that. Well, that's that sounds fantastic. I would love to know from a sort of a student's perspective. So how would it work? So say I'm not, but if I was, say, 18 years old or 17 years old, just out of 
um, high school or after school, and then I want to pursue sort of tertiary education of some sort, how would my journey look like? What would I do? How would it start? And where does scholar.io fit in? Yeah, great question. So today, like I mentioned, we do have an existing web 2.0 platform called Scholarful. And the unique part about this platform is that it's called a one-click apply. So traditionally, just being a recent college grad within the past three years or so, you'd have to seek out scholarships one by one, spend the 15 to even a half hour at a time applying to them and you know, cross your fingers that you hope you get it. What we do is a little bit different. You fill out your application once, and that kind of serves as a one-click apply. You find scholarships that fit your kind of criteria and you just click one button to apply to them. Your data is entered to that. So on the student side, it's very simplistic. Fill out your profile, your recommended scholarships based upon our matching algorithm that meet your kind of, you know, who you are is your profile, and then just simply click to apply. The receiving those funds, we actually have a 501c3 that a lot of this funding happens through. And our game plan right now is to facilitate that money through a student student loan office or kind of financial aid office so that it's, you know, truly going towards their education. Is there any criteria or who can participate? Do you have to be from a certain, I don't know, demographic or anything like that? So it's definitely open to all students right now. Our kind of target demographics would be incoming high school seniors that are just exploring their, you know, college options. And then those in uh, universities. So either be their undergrad or graduate degrees. Well, we're kind of open to all. You're, you know, there's different niches. So say I, as a donor, I can choose, I'd like to support you know, maybe it's women in STEM or black engineers, something like that. That's on more so the donor side, but yeah. as a student, it's a blank slate, apply to all these that apply to you. Or, and that's a really beautiful part for our donors because they can kind of, you know, tailor their, their funding the way they'd like to see fit. But yep. And so the, the donors are just giving away that money or are they giving that money at a very low interest or an interest free loan or how does it work? So our initial use cases focus solely on that charitable giving. So the incentive as a donor is a few things. One, uh, it's a, a tax break for you. So that donation is tax, tax deductible issued again through our 501c3. And interesting enough, the 2020 giving report, we found the tax break is actually the least inspiring or kind of the, the least common cause and why people say they give. More people are drawn to more so the impact that it makes or the societal change that they can drive. And so what's really unique about our platform is you have a few options as a donor. You can schedule a single scholarship where you just say, I want to give, you know, one time five to $10,000 to a student of my choice based upon these criteria. So that's kind of one option. The second is that you can start what we call a donor advice fund or like a larger endowment where this is paying out scholarships in perpetuity. So if I donate a hundred thousand dollars a year, I might pay out five grand of that. And then the last option we have are what do we call a community fund. So maybe I'm not necessarily super excited about running my own fund, but there's a, you know, a group that I'd like to support. Like we had said, maybe that's um, women in STEM and I want to sponsor a community fund around that. That's an option for me. And that way I can give, you know, it doesn't have to be 10 or a hundred thousand dollars. It can be $20 because we're moving as a community. A quick note about kind of that donor experience and another thing that sets us aside is the control that you have. So you have control over a few things. One, how that money is yielded and grown. So what we do is connect you to a number of different yield services. Right now we're building on the Avalanche, a blockchain. So there's some Avalanche native, you know, platforms we have. The second thing is that you can, again, choose what students are gonna actually receive the scholarships from your foundation. We do the short list, you know, through our matching algorithm, we can get you a short list of the top candidates, but ultimately you make that final decision. That transparency and control is something that absolutely does not exist today in traditional endowments and charitable giving. And so we're really excited to 
empower our donors to feel much more connected to the causes they care about. Well, that's fantastic. And how did you choose Avalanche? Like there are so many different blockchain and blockchain solutions. What sort of? Yeah, it's, it, this is a great question. I'll probably hop in just because, you know, I was here a little earlier, actually, you know, going, going way back, I was asked to come in and, and improve upon the use case. And, uh, I was a little hesitant right away. I've had a few projects actually reach out about, you know, coming in and advising. And I came in, I saw something here. I was amazed at the waste in this space. You know, if you look back on form 990s for a lot of charities and, and even endowments, you can see what they're using on overheads and it can be up to 40, 50%. So, you know, that kind of triggered something in my head. One day I was on LinkedIn of all places and saw the Deloitte announcement for Avalanche and the other things they were doing with MasterCard and subnets and a lot of the building going on on Web3 and then brought Ted and Aaron in who are, you know, subject matter experts in in all things uh, EVM. So we, we loved EVM components and we just saw Avalanche as something that was faster, you know, probably more scalable right now and more accessible um, for everyone. So, and it's, it's been an amazing journey with that too. It's, uh, I never counted on being supported by Ava Labs like they have um, when it comes to partnerships and just a foundation for a growth of a project is amazing what they give us. Well, that's, that is great to hear that they are so supportive. Talking um, back about the about scholar.io and do you think you would have, would you have been able to achieve what you are trying to achieve now using just web two solution? So it's, it's a great question. And so from a mechanic standpoint, a lot of it, we're actually trying to keep so that it feels like web two. One of our biggest fears is that we don't want for, you know, if you think about a traditional donor or even a younger student getting into what crypto can really mean is daunting to manage all your wallets and really on these. You know, it's kind of a scary endeavor. So we're actually trying to keep as much as we can very simple and make it feel familiar. That being said, it would be impossible to offer the efficiency and the performance that, you know, DeFi yield, you know, DeFi farming and, you know, those pools Ooh. offer us. So the answer is a little bit convoluted. Trying to stay towards the web too to keep it comfortable and familiar, but there's no way that we could get this done without the power of DeFi. Yep. Oh, that's fantastic. And, but then how would you, would the volatility in sort of staking and those sort of things affect affect you or affect the student or the donor? Great question. And so what we've decided is to focus in on what we'll call the lower risk staking or the lower risk um, liquidity pr providing options, mostly rooted in stable coins. So the other option is, is that we we provide a number of options to our donors. We do our best to educate them about what risk looks like for each of them, what returns might like because look like because of that, and actually empower them to make that decision on their own and kind of give them a very simple, straightforward decision-making process. Yeah, you know, we do have, you know, we're going to have a variety of partnerships that might be more collateralized than others, lower risk than others, but we're just trying to provide that variety to our donors and enable them to make that decision on their half. Um, again, keeping that more so scope towards the lower end of risk, stable coin oriented, you know, DeFi plays, not up the super high volatility stuff. Yeah, because it... Yeah, and it if I can I'm just sure. add to that, you know, coming from the partnership angle, our first partnership was actually Circle. Um, I'm sure most of your listeners are aware of them, but you know, when you talk from a yield component in DeFi, right now it sits at 6%. So it's, it's not, you know, the most attractive compared to a lot of these protocols, but from an institutional point of view, I think it's the perfect starting point for a lot of these donors coming in. 
And then seeing the backing that Circle does, you know, with collateralization, it's more of an institutional feel that, you know, makes our donors feel better about it at inception. Yeah, that, yeah, that, that sounds, that sounds good because as you know, the crypto world can be very daunting if you don't know what you're doing or if you're new to it and you hear all this news about, you know, the most recent news being about wormhole and all those sort of things with giving really high APYs or really high yields. And, and so it is very scary. Um, it could be scary for, for some donors who understand the space just enough to know that there are those sort of things. So yeah, it's just protecting, I guess, your donors by sticking to sort of stable coins and more sort of safer alternatives and stuff. This leads me to the next question that you know how when you go to funds in the traditional, the, the old, old school era that you have funds whenever they have a fund has a amount of capital, you have, they go and invest it into most likely equities and then they have different types of portfolios like and and low return portfolio which would be also blue chip and then there would be growth port portfolio which is a very high return but very high risk more volatility would you ever look at providing anything like that to your donors so we definitely, you know, it's within scope, but if we think about what that higher end of that risk spectrum looks like, I'd say that it's still going to be mostly stable coin oriented. And the reason yeah. is that, you know, it's charitable giving at its core and we're trying to give as much money to students as we can. That yeah. is the entire thing is solving some of that, you know, keeping that impact consistent and looking at it for the long haul, more so of a perpetuity thing than a short-term cash, you know, pulse us up as much as we can. So the answer is yes, we're going to have varied options, but that upper end is not going to be the auto compounding. 10,000% APY plays. It'll be much so, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, over so that a lot of them are just rug pulls waiting to happen because it cannot be sustained forever. Uh, some of those persons that they are giving, or I don't know how they can ever sustain it. So the, yeah, I mean, there was a lot of chatter even before the wormhole thing happened, they were giving like 73,000% and that's, I mean, yeah, APYs and stuff. And that that's just not sustainable in, in any case. So imagine pitching that to a donor. <laughs> yeah, be a, a tough hill to climb. Yeah, yeah. No, not that I'm saying that you should. I'm just trying to oh, uh, yeah. figure out like what what your plans are, and and sort of that brings me to the next um, question. Where do you see a lot of opportunity in the Web three space over the next sort of twelve months or so? And I'll let you go first. Yeah, for me in the Web3 space, bringing it back, because obviously we're at the inception of a lot of this migration to Web3. What I'm most excited about is just the digital digital identity piece of it, right? Where the student can come in, own their debt, not be subject to big entities owning all of that, right? And then having it protocol driven where, you know, our donors can connect with them without anybody being in the middle of that. That's, that's where I see the opportunity. Um, you know, we've already had some vultures circling that don't understand Web3. We've had a, a VC group reach out to us and already ask about data mining students. So, you know, it's a, it's a tumultuous world out there, but that's exactly, you know, the ethos we're trying to protect against. So yes. for me, more of a, a personal driver is to keep that data within the students and protect that. So that's where I see the opportunity from a business standpoint, Ted might have a a more eloquent answer on it. Yeah, you know, my my head goes to a similar place. So I'd say that what inspires us most is not the 
the pure innovation that's happening in DeFi right now, but how do we bring that to more real world use cases and make an actual impact? Right now you hear crypto and it immediately brings your mind to, you know, financial gain and kind of financing. What we want to say is we can bring a real world impact and say crypto doing good and kind of even bolster the image of, you know, crypto and blockchain as a whole. So, you know, on that note where I see a ton of innovation happening is one, of course, since we have a majority, a ton of students in our ecosystem, donors in our ecosystem, and eventually institutions, there's a huge opportunity to uh, continue to scale those, those peer networks. And so, you know, what does that look like is, you know, trading assets within student to student, but I'm figuring out some of that. The other really exciting element that we're bringing on board is our DAO. I'm super bullish on DAOs and kind of what that means for democratizing access to, you know, having your skin in the game in certain things. And so what we do is we have an endowment associated with our protocol that puts scholarships out into the ecosystem. And so by engaging in this DAO, you are rewarded, of course, um, for doing that, but also can influence how we get. So maybe you, the community has a particular passion or a focus they want to give to. Maybe that's a segment of students that can vote to do so. The other part is that it, you know, you're building a protocol for the people by bringing the people in early. So they'll also be engaged with our roadmap and the community engagement and capital, you know, how do we capitalize that for knowledge and, uh, you know, benefit for all of our community is great. It sounds, yeah, that sounds, um, excellent. Before I continue this discussion, I would like to share about my new website, web3pod.xyz or .xyz. On this website, you can sign up for my newsletter where I will be sharing the latest Web3 opportunities, giveaways, authentic and verified airdrops, and much more for free. So just go to www.web3pod.xyz. Now back to my conversation with Ben and Theodore. Um, talking about DAOs, like, you know, how I've, every time I've been a member of some sort of a democratic organization, it takes lots of discussions and there is back and forth. What I do sometimes struggle, I completely see that DAOs are the, are the future of organization and companies as, as we, as the world moves towards them. But I do wonder how such discussions will be solved by maths because in a way the DAO has the, the rules and the sort of the smart contract as my understanding goes and people can vote on that. What if there is something outside of that's already been covered or that's not yet covered in the, in the rules? How would a DAO look at that? Maybe there is a new, there is a whole new segment that is recognized that should be um, awarded scholarships in, in your case, or maybe there is a, um, <clears throat> there is a new way to give or new way to invest the givings that are waiting to be allocated that are not yet covered in the DAO. How will you then later on go and include those things? No, it's a, it's a great question. I think it's one of the biggest ones that we've been trying to tackle. And as we engage so many different you know, kind of thought leaders in the space, there's not yet been a DAO that we're said, this is perfect. And we'd like to mirror echo what they're doing. Our approach is actually probably a little bit flip side in that we also don't want the DAO to be cumbersome in two ways. One to the people engaging with it, if they're voting yeah. on something every day and that's like, no one wants to do that. The other side is we don't want our hands tied. And so mm -hmm. we're being selective around what DAO engagement actually means, you know, what's on the table for vote and kind of how do we do some of that. So we're starting small, in my opinion, and, mm -hmm. you know, uh, scaling the scope of the DAO as we go instead of starting wide and trying to, you know, box ourselves in that way. But definitely a space ripe for innovation. I, like I said, don't think there's a, uh, a golden rule or a perfect playbook for yeah. DAOs yet. And I'm yeah. excited to, to navigate some of that. 
Oh, you, you said it pretty much that, yeah, starting starting small and going because you just cannot think of all the use cases and, and start because just like countries change, economies change, people change, <laughs> how donations work, that change, um, how education works will change. You, did you want to add something as well, Ben? Sorry. I was just going to jump in really quick and add, you know, Ted said it perfectly. We've been talking to the guys at Pangolin and... Uh, <laughs> you know, learning from every road bump that they've had so far. And it's been invaluable to us, but I think we're taking any lessons from any native avalanche project that we've talked to and trying to incorporate it, simplify it, and, you know, start kind of narrow instead of wide. So Ted set up perfectly. Yeah. Fantastic. This brings me to one of the questions talking about other projects. Other, What is one D5 project that you're watching? And this question is for both, for, for Ben, for you, and for Theodore, for you as well. I mean, apart from scholar.io, what's one project that you uh, find a lot of promise in that you think will um, achieve great things in future? I've got to think on this. I can I think job Yes, yes, go ahead. Say, there's kind of two two worlds I'll, I'll address here. So I actually have two that I'd like to start out with. So one that kind of inspires us from a business standpoint, something that we think is really changing the world of charitable giving would be Gitcoin uh, and kind of what they're doing with their quadratic funding to make sure that, you know, it's a it's an equitable way to fundraise and make sure that kind of all voices are heard and also amplifies the your giving. So while those are more generalized, you know, than kind of you wide scale as far as what you can apply to there. We said, how do we bring that into our specific use case? So definitely keeping our eyes on Gitcoin and kind of what they're doing over there for the business side. From a personal kind of finance standpoint, there's a lot of projects that we're all excited about. You know, I use a number of different ones. So starting out, of course, with the Avalanche native ones, Trader Joe and Pangolin, a lot of innovation happening in both and then really attractive, you know, kind of farming on both sides. And then on more of the, you know, outside of our native ecosystem, things like Beefy Finance and Tomb is a really interesting project to me as well. Um, but we'll see where that one goes. It's kind of headed down the same path as time, in my opinion, but I know lots of lessons learned as we look at our token and tokenomics too. But I know that was a shotgun of them, but kind of two schools. Oh yeah. Were like yeah, yeah. I absolutely love them because now I can go and research all these and find out, you know, what are the pros and cons of each and then include some of these in my, on my podcast. So no, this is fantastic. What about you, Ben? Mute. No, I think Ted touched on one that I'm probably most fond of right now, Pangolin, just with their new super farms that they've got. And uh, I know there's going to be some updates coming to that and a really unique project. So Ava Labs actually formed Pangolin. There was no team allocation. So wow, the that's amazing. Members, yeah, it's amazing. So the actual team run had to, you know, make a proposal on the protocol and actually get voted in, which I think is very unique in the fact that You've got team members that are really there for the purpose of, of growing this rather than, you know, at the inception personal gain. So I, I love that. And they're just a great team on top of it. We've gotten to know them pretty well. And uh, how do yeah. they, how do they run? So, I mean, how do they make sure that they are sustainable, that they stick around? It's no, none of them are getting paid or, or they so, have other ways. Yeah, they are getting paid. So there was an allocation of angling, but that's just in, uh, set salary amounts so there's not yes. you know it's not like one person owns 25 percent, which we've all seen it's just really unique in the fact the treasury is there and it's it's set to you know divest of those funds but only for salaries which i think is amazing 
That is amazing. Yeah, that that is how it should be done. And that builds so much trust for the community because as soon as you, you can, I mean, for anyone listening, this is for, if you want to see a project, you can go and find there's lots of different ways based on what ecosystem they are. You can go and find out um, who owns how much percent of, of that DAO or how much of that um, token. And if 98% is owned by one person, it is a rug pull. <laughs> Stay away. <laughs> I'm yet to come across a project which is like, you know, 95 or 90 plus person owned by just one person. And it has went on to build great things and, and do great things for the community. <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean, this is great. One more, I mean, this is the last thing. And that is that, do you have a ask? Are you looking for anything? Are you looking for employees, donors, funding, VCs, anything? Feel free to yeah share it. Dad, I'll let you go first. Well, I can, I can just hop in. I guess for me, you know, looking for any, you know, partnerships right now that, you know, make sense or mutually beneficial, right? Because we're in the education space, there's an obvious uh, shift into metaverse and we're actually looking at bringing our protocol onto Sandbox. So really looking to connect with great minds in the space, whether it's Web3, metaverse, you know. Anyone yeah. out there could reach out to us. I'm sure our names are there. You can find us on LinkedIn or Twitter and just looking forward to meeting anyone or even if it's other people looking to start projects that need an introduction to Avalanche, uh, we can help out with that. So, Oh, that's great. Yeah, that sounds really good. What about you, yeah. Theodore? Yeah. So, you know, I'll echo that any connections in the space and particularly like we had said, you know, building a meaningful community in this particular, we know that we're going to have a younger crowd, obviously college students tend to be, you know, in that age. And so how do we gamify that, you know, the token elements and make that really rewarding yet, you know, trying to include, increase our token velocity, make sure it's switching hands, make sure it's making impact. And so, you know, gamification success stories, we'd, we'd love to hear them and connect with people that have insight on that. And the second piece is stay tuned. I suppose, you know, check in with us. We're about MVP ready in probably 60 days. At that point, we'll be looking for our initial cohort of donors. And if any students have to list us, or maybe it's parents of students, hop on to scholarful.com. It's a live platform where you can go apply to scholarships today. You know, changes are coming on that side, of course, too. But the, the, the end goal is to have that a free service for students. And so to stay in touch with us, we're, you know, they're impacting both communities. Oh, definitely, definitely. I can, I'm already starting to think who I should be connecting you guys with from the people reaching out to me. And also it's like having worked in esports and gamification. I just gave a talk last month at a TEDx event on gamification. I'm happy to just have a conversation after this on, on yeah. uh, what are just some ideas that you can maybe implement on, on gamification and stuff and, and maybe build some ways for your community to engage in a in a meaningful way more than just sharing memes on discord you know so exactly. yeah yeah so so yeah definitely look um what i will do is add all your contact details everything like your twitter linkedin your website everything in the description show notes any social posts that go out so people can reach out to you and and hopefully that it will be super worthwhile for them that they would be able to maybe get um, scholarships or donate and deploy and make a really positive social impact. So thank yeah. you for your time. No, thank you for having you. Us. Thank you for tuning in and listening to this episode. I would love to connect with you. So reach out to me, reach out to me. If you have any questions about Web3, I would love to answer them. And if I cannot, then I will find an expert who can. 
finally, share this podcast with a friend who you think should know and learn more about Web3, who you think should get involved in the world of crypto, decentralized finance, metaverse, NFTs, and more. Thank you once again and have a fantastic day.